1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat. Now he's talking about when Moses led Israel out of the land of Egypt. In verse 4, and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Amen. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples, to the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things, all these things that you see written in the Old Testament, all these things that happened to the, to the nation of Israel, now all these things happened unto them for ensamples, and they are written for our, our, our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, verse 12, let him that thinketh he standeth, Take heed, lest he fall. And now I'm going to focus on verse 13. I'm going to focus on verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray, Father, for wisdom, Lord God, this morning, Lord, as we look at the ways that we can escape temptation, Lord, and fight the sin that we're under, Lord God, help us to, to gain that wisdom through your Holy Spirit, Lord, and I pray, Father, that uh, you'd move on these people, Lord God, open their hearts, Father, and I pray, Father, that they'd have an ear to receive, Lord God, and pray, Father, that uh, if there's anybody underneath the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Father, that they would bow their head, Lord God, and receive him and simply believe in that free gift of eternal life, Lord God, and I thank you for that salvation. Salvation is so simple, Lord God. There's no works involved. And Father, I pray, Lord God, for your Holy Spirit to move among us again, Lord God. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray. Amen. So back in verse 13, there had no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. So the first thing you need to realize, because Paul's, Paul's leading up to this. That's why I read all those first verses. He's leading up to this. He's reminding them all the stuff you read about how they acted and how they conduct themselves and how God got... Uh, got mad with them and destroyed them and how he didn't have he didn't put up with it he said now when he, you need to take verse 12 before let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall you need to remember that uh, we're not all perfect and you think everything's going well and as soon as you think you've got it figured out that's when it all falls apart and the devil's good at that the devil's waiting to you as soon as you think yeah i got this sin kicked i finally am broke this sin then it'll uh, it'll you'll fall down something will happen but verse 13 is what i want to focus on there hath no temptation taken you, but just as common to man. So we're all tempted in here. We're all tempted to sin in some way. But we need to realize, the first thing Paul wants you to realize is that there's no temptation that you're under that not every other man's having to deal with. Every temptation you're dealing with, you say, well, it's a strange temptation, brother. It's a really, it's a strong temptation. It's, there's hundreds of thousands of Christians all over the world that are dealing with the same temptation, and they're dealing with it daily just like you. So it's nothing, you're not uncommon. You don't, don't wake up and say, man, I'm such a wicked sinner. I'm such an awful sinner. I can't control this. Lots and lots of Christians deal with that. And it, here's the thing about it. There's no, very few I know of, any lost men that worry about their sin. 
They don't wake up and say, man, I need to get better on this sin. I need to stop doing this. They're, they're, they enjoy their sin. They're, they're, there's pleasure in their sin. They love that. But as Christians, because the Holy Spirit's living in us, we tend to, we tend to be convicted about every little thing we do. And that's one of the things that Christopher Hitchens, the famous atheist, said. He goes, I don't want to be under a God that's a dictator. Well, see, he looks at God as a dictator, but we see God as a loving Father. And we want to please Him. And when we're doing something that's not pleasing to Him, it, it hurts us. We want Daddy to be happy with us. We want the Father to be happy with us. We want to please Him. So, first thing, remember, there, every temptation you're seeing, there's nothing uncommon about it. It's common to man. Now, listen, guys. If you're going to listen to anything I say this morning, listen to this. When I became a pastor, and I started pastoring, there's one thing. This is a great truth I found out. This brother might know it, too. There's a great truth I found out. Everybody has problems. Every family has problems. Some families are just better at hiding it than others. Some families have money to be able to hide it. Some families have ways to hide it. Some families are just better at hiding it. Some of those sins, they embarrass the whole family, the son or the daughter, or maybe somebody happens and it embarrasses the whole family. Some of those sins are the same sins committed by rich families. They just have the money to get a good lawyer. You never hear about it. And it amazes me. I mean, I've had my jaw literally just drop when I've had Christians, good Christians, friends of mine, or Christians I know confess things they've done, and my jaw just drops. So I've learned over the years, nothing surprises me. <laughs> You're never going to come to me and say, oh, Brother Keegan, I'm so ashamed of what I just did. I was like, yeah, well, you and a hundred other people I've talked to. But you think it's common. You think it's uncommon. Oh, I'm the worst person in the world. You're not the worst person in the world. You're just a sinner. And we're all, it's all common. I'm telling you, it is. But God is faithful. Amen. We're not faithful. That's the point. God is faithful. We're not faithful. God, according to this verse, wants you to escape. God wants to help you escape. God wants you to be, not be tempted of this sin. God doesn't want you to sin. God wants to help you. And that's the one thing that Christians, sometimes it takes Christians a long time to figure out. All those things that God's telling you that's not good for you, that telling you not to do, is because it's not good for you. When God tells you, Jesus Christ commands you to forgive and to forgive your enemies. That's for your own good. Sometimes your enemies don't even realize you've forgiven them. Amen? I mean, you're mad at somebody. They don't even realize you're mad at them. You see them in the local grocery store. You see them at Walmart. You're like, oh, they're so-and-so. I don't want to talk to them. And they're like, oh, there's Keegan. Hey! And they're waving at you, and you're like trying to avoid them. And they're like, I'm mad at them. It's, it's, a, it's a cancer. God wants you to forgive because it's good for you. All these commandments are good for you. It's a father. We... we this is that father-son relationship. We, any of us in here have kids? We tell our kids, do this and do this and don't do this and don't do that. It's not because we hate them. It's not because we're trying to torture them. It's because we're trying to raise them and show them, hey, if you do this, it's bad for you. And sometimes they have to learn the hard way. 2 Peter chapter 2, I'm going to read this verse to you. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations. Y'all remember that. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations. The Lord knows how to do it. He's good at that. That's what the Lord wants to do. He knows how to get you out of it. And that's what this verse says. That's 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, if you're writing it down. So let's continue back in verse 13. God is faithful. Now here it is. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. You are able to handle the temptation. 
There's not a temptation in here that the devil's going to give you or your flesh is going to give you, sin's going to give you that you're not able to conquer. I know we don't want to hear that, right? But you're, you're, there's nothing God's going to give you that you can't handle when it comes to temptation. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. When I went, first went to Bible school, they, they, they required me to memorize this verse right here. That's a long verse. And I don't know if I passed that test. I think I got a couple of these things wrong. That's a long verse to memorize. But the reason why he wanted us memorizing it is because he wanted us to try to, stay, to, to learn how to escape temptation, learn how to, to understand that God is faithful and we're not, and that it's common to man, everything we're being tempted of. But will with the temptation shall also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. You see that last word, bear it? That means that you're going to still have it. They don't mean it necessarily just goes away. I mean, a lot of alcoholics understand what I mean by, when I say this and what the Word of God means, but when it says it is that, hey, you, you're still fighting that fight. You're, you're an alcoholic. You don't just one day say, wake up and say, I'm not an alcoholic anymore. I don't have to worry about alcohol anymore. No, you have to fight that every day. You have to deal with that every day. And that, that's a cross you're going to have to bear. But God will give you the power to bear it. That's what we're getting at this morning. God will give you the power through the Lord Jesus Christ to bear it. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So this morning, I want to focus on this morning, six ways, six ways you can escape sin. There's, I'm going to give you six different ways to help you escape sin. Because it says there's an escape plan. And just like when you go into hospitals or go into buildings, you'll see on the, by the elevator they'll have like a fire escape. And it'll show you this is the way you go. This is the way you go down the stairs. If there's a fire, you go. That's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to make an escape plan. We're going to make an escape plan that you can follow. You can kind of keep, an, keep track of. Maybe this will help you. These verses will help you to be able to conquer some of your sin. Because, brothers and sisters, as a pastor, I still fight sin all the time. And I have to fight this stuff. And this is stuff that I've, in my Christian walk, as a Christian for, uh, I guess I've been a Christian for almost 30 years uh, it's been, uh, it's helped me. These things have helped me, and I hope that it'll help you. The first one I'm going to give you is this. Stay busy. Stay busy. Ecclesiastes 10, verse, Ecclesiastes 10, 18 says, But by much slothfulness the building decayeth, and through idleness of the hands the house droppeth through. Stay busy. It's a whole lot harder to get in trouble when you're busy. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. There's not been a truer saying. More of the problems I've gotten into as a teenager is when I'm just sitting around, I'm bored, I'm bored, and my friends are, well, let's go over there and let's do this and another. And before long, we're deep down into sin, <laughs> doing stuff I would never confess from back here. But I've noticed that whenever you're busy and you're working, you're staying busy, especially when you're staying busy for the Lord, it's a whole lot harder to sin. It's a whole lot harder for us to get in trouble last night when we're out in Comanche and there's kids waiting to hand out tracts and give them. When you're, when you're working, it's a whole lot harder to get in trouble. So the first bit of advice I give you, if you want an escape plan, is stay busy. If you don't stay busy, get ready. The, idol, the, 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 the devil will give you something to do. Amen. If you don't stay busy and you're sitting around, the devil will find something for you to do. If you're not doing something for the Lord, the devil's got plenty of stuff for you to do. He'll find you something to do. He will. All right, the second thing I want to give you is found in Psalms 101.3. If you can turn there, turn to Psalms 101.3. This is a famous verse, but it's one to memorize. Psalms 101.3. I'll give you the second bit of advice I'll give you. 
This helped me to escape sin. I'm giving you six ways to escape sin. The first one is to stay busy. And the second one is to guard your eyes. Guard your eyes. Psalms 101.3. Psalms 101.3. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. But notice the first of verse 3 of Psalm 101. I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. Guard your eyes. Watch what you put in front of your eyes. Half the battle is not to look at it. That's half the battle. If you don't look at it, you won't want it. You won't desire it. Half the battle is to looking. And the other half is the thinking. But the first half is the looking. You'll be amazed how, how much control of your flesh, because we're talking about your flesh. See, we're, our soul is saved. You're going to heaven. Your, co- your soul's covered in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. This body's going in a grave. The worm is going to eat it. This flesh is strong, though. And we're going to talk about this a little later, and Jesus Christ is going to tell us about it. This flesh is very strong. And if you, you put images into your mind, that's not helping you one iota. Our TVs and our computer screens are, screens are nothing but covet machines. And when you turn on the TV, all it's trying to do is make you covet something. They want you to covet the latest car. They want you to covet the latest hamburger at Burger King. They want you to covet the latest uh, houses. They, it, it, I've noticed that for a long time I wanted to, to, build, to get another house. And I talked to my wife, I want to get another house. I want to do this. I want to do that. You know what I realized? I was watching those... Uh, those renovation shows on, <laughs> on Discovery Channel, whatever. Is that a sin? No. They weren't, there wasn't even any cuss or nothing in those shows. But what happened was I noticed in my flesh that the more I started seeing all this nice stuff, I'm thinking, I want that nice stuff. I want that nice stuff. And I noticed that when I stopped watching those shows, it's amazing how I don't care that much anymore. I, got my, I want to spend my money on something else, on that new truck I seen that was on TV. <laughs> but that's our eyes. We gotta watch them. We gotta guard that stuff, guys. We really need to keep it. Those images that are put into your head by TV, by your computer screen, videos, whatever. Those images are put in your head. Your mind can use those to help you commit those sins. That's why pornography is such a strong influence in this country today. Those images, it's 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 of the devil, and it just it sticks those images in a man's mind or a woman's, and they it's it just puts it's just like a root. It just grips. And, and men and women have a problem breaking free of that because those images, they don't go away. I wish I couldn't see what I'd seen. You've heard people say that kind of stuff. Once you've seen something, your mind's going to grab hold of it. Your flesh going to grab hold of it. So guard your eyes. Be careful what you're watching. Be careful what you're looking at. Just keep, keep an idea that whatever you're looking at, that's what your mind's going to use as images. So let's move on to the third one. The third one would be it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This is a very powerful one. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm trying to give you six ways to escape sin. 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 10. I'm trying to give you six ways to escape sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5. So I, I, we've talked about just stay busy. Don't, don't, don't slack off. Stay busy. Try to keep yourself busy. Guard your eyes. And the third one is guard your thoughts. Guard your thoughts. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5. Memorize this verse if you have an opportunity. Memorize this one. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience 
of Christ. What a wonderful verse in your Bible. Memorize that one. What that says is, you're going to imagine things that you need to cast down. You realize most every major sin starts with thoughts. You start thinking, and your thought process goes the wrong way. And before long, you're thinking the wrong way. You're not thinking the Christian way, and before long, you're thinking the wrong way. And instead of thinking the Christian way, you're thinking the wrong way, and you start getting envious and jealous and full of hate and spite. And then those thoughts can also lead you to commit flesh, fleshly sins outside of the flesh. It's all about your thoughts. All Christ did, you know, in Matthew 15, Matthew 12, Christ warned us over and over again in those chapters about your, the, 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 the heart. Out of the heart proceedeth all this sin. Out of the heart proceedeth all this evil. It's all, it's all in your mind. It's all what you're thinking about. And you, the, this verse right here is really good to remember because it says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Your imagination will bring fear into your heart that shouldn't be there. Sometimes you can be afraid of something that's not even a big... You can make a mountain out of a molehill. I'll tell you how I did that. My family's all had cancer, and I've had to deal with cancer all my life, and deal with people dealing with it. Well, my doctor, because of COVID, and my, after COVID, he said, man, your, your blood work is weird. And my, my doctor's acting really weird. He comes in and goes, man, we've got a serious problem here. We need to take care of it. So he make, I'm going to make an appointment for you. So he makes an appointment... This appointment's at the cancer center. I'm like, what? This is at the cancer center? What is going on here? So I call his nurse. His nurse won't answer my phone. I leave a voicemail. It's like, hey, I just called up there. This is a cancer center, blah, blah, blah. Well, then they finally get back with me. and said, that's the only place that the blood, the blood specialist works out of the cancer center. So I'm still afraid. I'm sorry. He just don't have the guts to tell me I have cancer. No, this is serious. This is a true story. So I go to the blood specialist. The first thing the nurse tells me, and she, I had not told her anything. Maybe she sees the fear in my eyes or whatever. She says, so many people come in here, and because we're in the cancer center, they think they're afraid they have cancer. And a, a lot of doctors send them to us because they have something going on with their blood. And I was like, thank you, Lord. That was, that was an answer prayer. But you know, how much, you know how many weeks I was afraid, full of fear, because of my thoughts? And I literally had to get the Bible Open up the Bible, find verses, and start quoting verses to myself. Because my flesh would not leave me alone. I had to get down and pray about it. And I remember getting down and praying about it. And I remember getting up off of praying about it. And the Lord laid it on my heart. Faith is a victory. Faith is a victory. Lord, I'm just going to have to trust in you. I'm going to have to trust in you. But God has not given us a spirit of fear. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. So that fear, that thought process brought me fear. Guys, these, your, your, your battlefield that you're going to have is with your mind. Christian, that's it. Because you're going to think about it, you're going to think about it before you go and do it. And that's a dangerous thing. It says, the casting down imaginations and every high thing exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring it into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. When you have a thought that you know Christ wouldn't be happy with it, get it out of there. Cap, bring it in captivity. Make it a POW. You're in a war, right? You're in a war with your flesh? Look at verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Your mind is a stronghold. And you guys, sometimes you've got to break it down. You say, Lord Jesus, take this thought. I want to cover it in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You've got to stop 
My, my main problem is I'll think of something and then I'll dwell on it. And then I'll think about it. And then I'll think about it. And I'll think about it. And what happens to me, somebody says something to me at work, makes me mad. So what do I do? Do I just let it go? No. I've got time to work on my equipment and I'm thinking about it and I'm thinking about it and I'm madder I'm getting and I'm madder I'm getting and I'm madder I'm getting and before long I'm imagining taking that guy and throwing him down on the ground and kicking at him and you know at all you, you just your mind just goes crazy. It would have been so much easier at the beginning of that thought process if I would have just brought that thought into a POW. Said, Lord, I know you don't want me thinking that way. I'm gonna bring it to obedience of Christ. That's called discipline. Disciplining. When you see how that says every thought to the obedience, when you're disobedient to Christ, it's going to bring fear, anxiety, depression, hate, envy, jealousy. Do you need me to go on? All that's disobedient to Christ. And we're talking about how to, how to escape sin. So you want to stay busy, you want to guard your eyes, what you're looking at. And I know in this day and age it's really hard to do that because it's things that are everywhere. You want to guard your thoughts. Because truthfully, you are what you think. You are what you think. Christ said, out of the abundance of a man's heart, his mouth speaks. So whatever you're thinking about, whatever's on your mind, that's eventually going to come out of your mouth. You've you got, you got to keep these thoughts under control. This is one of the main ones. You're going to be tempted with your thoughts, and you're going to have to bring them into captivity. You're going to have to grab them and say, no, I'm going to make you a POW. A prisoner of war. No. Is that thought still there? Yes, but it's surrounded. It's guarded. It's, it's, an, it's into obedience of Christ. When that thought comes to your mind and you think something wicked, you've got to say, I don't, no, no. That's not what Christ wants me to do. You say, Brother Keegan, that thought comes back. It will come back. It's behind the bars. It's yelling at you. It's screaming at you. I want to think about it. I want to think about it. You've got to say, no. And you'll be amazed when you fight it, it gets easier. Don't give up. Amen? It, we're supposed to be able to bear it. Let's move on to the next one. Let's move on to the next one. Number four. Look at Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Christ gives us one. Matthew chapter 26. We're looking at six ways to escape sin. We should be wanting to escape sin. That's been my... The, Matthew chapter 26. We'll be there at verse 41. Matthew 26, verse 41. That's made my hardest part of my Christian walk is, is controlling my sin. I, I grew up in a, I grew up as a bad kid, bad attitude, I mean, bad influences, bad images in my head, bad thoughts in my head, bad mouth, I mean, just everything. So the Lord's had to do a lot of cleaning on me. And it's took me a long time to get some of these sins under control. And some of these sins I'm going to live with the rest of my life because I was doing those when I was younger. That's what you try. I try to warn the kids, but you know, that, no, those, no kid will listen to you, right? That ship will come back to harbor. <laughs> one day, you'll put all that stuff out, and you'll think, oh, you know, you forget about it, you know, and then one day it comes back, and you've got to unload that ship. And that's no fun. That's no fun. And I, I, I admire anybody who's a young man that can keep themselves clean, and then when they get older, their, their life's going to be so much better. The Lord warned us about this. You can't smoke all your life and then be surprised if you have some lung problems at the end of your life. And then turn around and blame God. Why is God doing this to me? Well, because you did it to yourself for 70 years. Boy, it's getting quiet in here. <laughs> is this not common sense? 
You can't live with no sins and then expect nothing to happen. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. If you're sowing this stuff, you're going to eventually reap it. That's why it's so important when these sins come up in your life and you're fighting these sins, fight them. It's worth the fight. Because if you can fight them and you can win, then it'll keep you from having to pay for it later on. Amen. Guys, I, I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you. And we're trying to look at ways to get you encouraged. Say, you know what, Brother Keegan? I want to fight it. Let's fight it. Let's do it. And if you fall down, get back up. The Bible says a righteous man falls down but gets back up. Rises again. Rise up. We're in a fight. We're in a battle. We're in a war. And the best kind of battles are when somebody gets knocked down, that guy doesn't stay down. He gets back up. Look at verse 41. Christ tells us another thing we need to do. The fourth thing you might want to do, it could help you, is to pray. It always help you. Verse 41. Watch and pray that ye enter not in temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's Christ. You know, of course, everything he says is, is perfect. But right there, you can have a more perfect saying for somebody fighting, fighting the flesh, fighting temptation. Watch and pray. Watch yourself and pray. That you enter not in temptation. Why? The spirit indeed is willing. Yeah, you got a willing, right? You will. Uh, Lord, Lord knows your will, you, your will is not to do whatever it is you're doing. Not to commit that sin. You, you have a will that, Lord, I don't want to act this way. I don't want to be this way. I don't want to be this kind of person. I want to be better for you, Lord. I want, you got, you're willing, but the flesh is weak. And until we get rid of this old flesh we're living in and this soul departs, we go on to be in heaven with Jesus Christ, you're going to fight it the whole time. So you need to watch, you need to pray. Say, uh, how do you pray? Lord, help me. <laughs> Is that not a bad one? I mean... I tell you how I pray, guys, and y'all, y'all, you have you you have your own walk with Jesus Christ. This is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Y'all might not, y'all don't talk like me, y'all don't act like me, you don't think like me. That's why it's so important to pray like you're gonna pray. Don't mimic anything I'm doing, amen. I might lead you astray. But the way I pray is simply this: I say, Lord, I can't do it, you're gonna have to do it for me. I don't want the flesh to manifest out. The works of the flesh are wicked. Galatians chapter 6. I want the fruits of the Spirit. Lord, please manifest out of me. Lord, please do it for me. Lord, I can't do it. Please do it for me. Lord, I can't forgive that person, so Lord, will you forgive them for me through your Holy Spirit? You'll be amazed how powerful some of these prayers can be. You cry out to Jesus Christ the best way you know how for help, and he will help you. It don't have to be the way I just described to you. Just cry out and say, Lord, I'm sick and tired of this. I've, <laughs> I've got down with a couple of brothers. Now, they're, they're a little edgy. Got down and let's pray about it. Pray about some sin. Got down and prayed. And they'll be cussing in their prayer. I'm tired of this blankety blank. I'm tired of this. Say, so, oh my gosh. Oh. Some of y'all would faint, you know. That's how, they're, that's how they have to deal with it. I'm telling you, you need to get real about sin. You know, it take, whatever, whatever that is to you, you do it. And, and, and Jesus Christ is right there to help you. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 2. You, I, won't, I wasn't going to turn to these, but I think it's important for us to turn and look at them. What time is it? Yeah, Hebrews chapter 2. Look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18. This is about our Lord and Savior Jesus. I'm going to encourage you. You need to pray. Pray about it. Pray, pray, pray. Uh, sometimes we get this idea that God is so holy, and He is holy. And Jesus Christ is so righteous, and He is righteous, that He can't understand. He, doesn't, he can't help. But that's the total opposite of what the Bible tells us. 
because he dealt because God came down in the flesh as Jesus Christ now he can understand the temptation each one of us are going through Verse two, chapter 2, verse 18. For in that he, talking about Christ, he himself hath suffered being tempted. He's able to secure those, them that are tempted. Secure is a word they use to help out with provisions. Help out. Not just help you out, but with provisions. He'll give you something to help you. Why? Because he was tempted just like you're being tempted. Don't you know the Son of God manifests in the flesh? Don't you know the devil was tempting him in every way? With stealing, with women, with, with getting drunk, with whatever, jealousy, envy, spite, hate, all of that. The devil was tempting him in every way, and he was tempted. Now, he didn't secure, he didn't come to it. He's able to secure or give you provisions to them that are tempted. That's how he helps you. You got a, you got a friend in Jesus. Amen. I mean, guys, I cannot encourage you enough. You sinners... You wicked sinners, you've got a friend in Jesus. That's what they accused him of. He's a friend of sinners. Well, praise God he's a friend of sinners. I'm a sinner, I need a friend. And I'm, it's really good to be friends with the judge. Look at chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 15. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. He goes on, he goes on and explains even deeper. Talking about Jesus Christ being our high, our high priest. For you have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He's touched by your hurt. He's touched that you're hurting. You, can't, you go to Christ, Jesus Christ, crying about your sin, it bothers him. The shortest verse in the whole Bible, Jesus wept. He loves you. You're his. He paid a great price for you, his, his precious blood and life on the cross. He paid this great price for you. You think he's going to just kick you out now? I'll in no wise cast them out, is what he said. He loves you. He wants to help you. He wants to take care of you. He's going to help you. He's going to take care of you. But you've got to let him. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 3, I stand at the door and knock. He's a gentleman. He's not going to just bust in. You've got to ask him, Lord, I need your help. I can't do this. But was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. I just talked about that. He didn't sin, but he was tempted in all points. But look at verse 16. Now, because of that, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. That's your verses right there. That's what you need to know. You need to pray. You need to pray to Jesus Christ. You need to ask Him to help you. Let me give you the fifth thing you can do. Let me give you the fifth thing you can do to help you to escape sin. And that would be found in Psalms 119. This is one a lot of Christians forget about, but it might be just as important as all these others. Psalms 119. Psalms 119. Look at verse 11. This is one a lot of Christians kind of forget about, but it's probably as important as any of the others. Psalm 119, verse 11. Psalm 119, verse 11. So you need to stay busy. You need to guard your eyes. You need to guard your thoughts. You need to pray. And, and another, reason, another thing you can do is memorize Scripture. Look at verse 11. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. That's a, that's a major one right there. Very major. Find some scripture that you're, some problem you're dealing with and you're, uh, some kind of issue you're dealing with, find some scripture that you can memorize and quote whenever you're dealing with that sin. 
That sin comes up, memorize it. Say, so, like you're here, look at Proverbs chapter, look at Proverbs chapter 25. I'll read this one to you. So like if you're dealing with anger, if you don't want to turn there, I'll just read it real quick. Proverbs 25, 28. If, are you dealing with anger? Memorize this one. He that, hath, he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Memorize it. And then when that trouble comes up, you're getting angry, you're getting, losing your temper. Quote that verse out loud. I've got verses I've memorized for that very reason. Uh, at this church, we give out these uh, Bible, this little red book. Answers, let's see if I can find it. I got it right here, yeah. Bible Answers for Every Need. And we give them out free. And we've got, we've got a bunch of these. If you need one this morning, grab one. There should be one on the back rack. But in this, in this book here, it has, like, it has all the verses on anger. You can pick whatever you want to memorize. All the verses on bitterness. Has all the, has verses on backsliding, fornication, whatever. He has some verses on homosexuality, selfishness, self-righteousness, profanity. Has all that in here. Here's another thing you can do if, 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 if this book isn't good enough for you. Get out of concordance and study it yourself. You'll be amazed how God will show you stuff out of the Word of God. You say, Lord, I don't want to deal with this sin of anger anymore. I don't want to deal. So, okay, well, look and find every verse that talks about anger. And say, I'm gonna, that's going to be my daily Bible reading. And just read through there and find all these verses and read them. And find, pick out a couple that you're going to want to memorize. And then when, it, when something happens to you and uh, you, you have a problem with that, then you can quote those verses when you're being tempted. This is a very, very important one. And let me tell you why. Did we not just read that Jesus Christ was tempted in all points, but he passed the test? You remember when he was tempted, what happened? When he was tempted, he was out in the wilderness, and he had been out there fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Well, he's tempted, he's out in the wilderness, and here comes the devil. And the devil starts tempting him. And every time the devil would tempt him, what would Jesus Christ do? Jesus Christ didn't say, get away from me, Satan. I, I, he would say, it is written. And he'd quote Bible. Tempt the Lord thy God. It is written. It is he did it three times. He was tempted three times, and he quoted Scripture three times. Satan even quoted Scripture at Jesus. And when he quoted Scripture at Jesus, Jesus turned around and quoted Scripture right back at him. See the importance of this? The importance of this is when you know the Bible, you'll be able, the Lord will be able to help you get through this stuff. Just quote it. You know what I found on some of my sin? <laughs> this, is, this is the God honest truth. I can be wanting to do this sin, and by the time I quote a couple of Scriptures... I'm so tired of quoting scripture. I don't know what, you know, I didn't know what sin it was I was going to be doing. You know, it's like, okay, Lord, okay. You know, if you get enough scripture in you, you can quote them out. And, and it's good for you to memorize them. So how, what's the best way to memorize them? I don't know what's the best way to memorize them. I can't, I have a bad, I have bad memory. One thing I do know is if you repeat them a lot. Write them down, write them down, repeat it, repeat it, write it down, write it down. Say it out loud. When I say repeat it, you say it out loud. And write, I'll write it down three times. I'll say it out loud three times. You just get familiar with it. That's how you'll know it. Let me give you one last one. That's a very important one, though, guys. That's a very, very important one. Uh, when all else fails, look at Psalms 4, 143. Look at Psalms 143. So all, if all this other stuff fails, you get down to the end, you're like, man, I, 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 I've, tried to, 
I've tried to stay busy, and I kind of I got lazy, and all of a sudden, it, now I'm getting, I'm getting tempted, and I was looking at something I shouldn't look at, and now my thought process is going crazy, and I tried to pray, but I just don't feel like, and I, I memorized scripture, I tried to quote some scripture, and here I am, I'm about to commit this sin, look at Psalms 143, 9. Finally, deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I flee unto thee to hide me. When all else, when all else fails, brothers and sisters, just flee. <laughs> Run. Just flee. Just flee. It's amazing when you study this word flee in the Bible, because you're going to find Paul all the time when it, come, when it comes to sin. He just brings it up over and over. You know, it, just a couple of verses after what we were studying there in 1 Corinthians 10 and 10, 14. He says, Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. In, in that same book, in 1 Corinthians 6, 18, he says, Flee fornication. In 2 Timothy 2, 22, Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. He said, Flee, 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 flee. Get out of there. Just get out. And I don't mean just in a spiritual sense. I mean in a physical sense. Sometimes just run. You see, uh, you see a man like Joseph? It's real hard to find something bad on Joseph in the Bible, isn't it? He's a great type of Jesus Christ. That's why. And he did almost everything right, didn't he? You know when he got, he, here's a young man. He's at the top of, he's a, he, he's a young man, good looking man. Evidently was a good looking man. He's in his master's house. Nobody's around. He's, his master's wife was probably a good-looking woman. She's like, just lay with me. Just, lay, just sleep with me. And all he had to do was sleep with her. And everything would have been kosher, right? Well, remember what I told you? Be sure your sin will find you out. It would have came out eventually, right? God's not mocked. Whatever man soweth, that shall he also reap. It would have came out eventually. Not maybe right then. He might have got rid of her right then by sleeping with her. But what did Joseph do? He said he fleed from the house. And he fled while she had a hold of his garments. And he's like running and like a football player when somebody's got their dirt. And just, she just ripped some of his clothes off of him. Don't leave me. I'm out of here, baby. I don't want no part of this. And what happened to poor Joseph? He got thrown in jail. He got accused of it anyway. But God took care of him in the end, Amen. Because what did Joseph tell them? Hey, what, God, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. That's our God. He can turn your evil into good. But just flee. If you're in the house and you're tempted to do something you shouldn't do, get outside, go for a walk. This is good practical advice. Get out, get to do Because usually if you're in the house, you're not busy. When you're watching TV or you're on a computer, you're not busy. Amen? Can we all agree to that? You're being programmed. You're being trained. Just like, what amazes me, when we, and, and I think Gibson would agree to this, no kid loves being sitting in a classroom all day long. We hated it, right? But we'll run home and go sit in our room and sit in our little comfortable classroom chair and let them train us. Oh, that's good. Okay, yeah, that's good. Okay, yeah, I should have liked that and I should like this and and I should, want, I should think this is okay. And oh yeah, God's awful. God's horrible. When you start getting bad thoughts in your head, man, just get it, get it, turn off the TV, turn off the computer. Get out of the house. Go walking. Go for a walk. Get in your car and drive. I mean, my wife, she, I've disappeared. My wife said, where are you at? 
I just, I, I mean, I fled so fast, I didn't take my cell phone or anything. I just, just go walking down the road. She's done the same thing. She has to live with me, so you know I was the problem with that. But the point is, that some, this, that stuff helps. And it's over and over again. Flee, flee, flee. Get away, run away, and run to the Lord. When I say, when I go for a walk, if I'm dealing with something serious like that, I'm walking, I'm talking to the Lord. Like, Lord, I'm just trying to get away. I don't want to think about that. I don't want to do that. And it's amazing how you get your blood pumping, and the Lord comes in, and everything's going to be okay. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So you flee to the Lord, you're fleeing from the devil. And let me tell you something. If, you're not, if the devil's not fleeing, if you're not doing the right thing and making the devil flee, you better be fleeing. If, he, if the devil's not fleeing, you better be fleeing. And what I mean by that is, if you're not running, if the devil's not running, you better be running. You can't stand up against the devil. It should scare you. You can't outsmart the devil. You can't. And you think you're going to outsmart this sin? You think you're going to figure it out? You think you're going to figure a way to get by it somehow? You're going to do this? It won't happen. The devil will convince you, yeah, you'll get away with it. You'll you won't. Even if you get away with it in this world, there's another world to come and you will be judged for it at the judgment seat of Christ. And we'll have to answer for it. Get it under the blood of Jesus Christ. Flee, flee, flee. So I give you six different ways to help you escape sin. In closing, stay busy, guard your eyes, guard your thoughts, pray, memorize scripture, and finally, if all else fails, just run. Just run. You're a coward? Yes, I'm a coward for Jesus Christ. But see, I'm not running to the world, I'm running to Jesus Christ. I just gave you the verse, right? Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I flee, where? Unto thee, to hide me. I want the Lord, I'm going to get under the wings of Jesus Christ, where everything's okay. Get on the rock that's higher than I. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not 
is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you, and until next time. Casting all your care upon Him.